Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, the entire game theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It doesn't matter what sport you play. We're playing NBA now, kind of NFL a little bit. PGA's back, MMA's coming back, MLB hopefully back in April. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Even if they get rid of all the sports and we get the eSports back, right? And we're all in LOL and LCK contests, it still applies. So go to theoryofdfs.com, pick up the course today. Join with me, as always, as usual, as most of the time, is uh, a higher stakes, smaller field, single entry specialist, or three max specialist, I guess, depending on the contest. It's uh, Eric Bimefor. And last week, Eric, we talked, uh, we got a lot of good feedback on, on like, the reality like a, a lot of people say that uh, this this is one of the more real shows of of DFS, and that's why you like doing it. That's why I like doing it. We're talking about like our real play, our you know that that it's not just the Instagram photos of <laughs> of of our DFS play. And and last week, you know, talking about downswings from last year, which includes two big ones for me. You didn't have the greatest of NFL seasons. And, uh, and, and people, pe- now people have something to compare it to. Are they going through the same things that everyone else is? And most likely you are. Uh, but in, in the past week, it seems kind of funny that, uh, we, we talk about, uh, downswings, uh, like, oh yeah, this is, this is bad. This is why this Eric, this is why these yearly periods are so arbitrary, right? If, if we shifted the year, calendar year, about a week and a half in, in a certain direction, <laughs> like... Uh, both me and you had had great Tuesdays in comparison to to our to our play volume, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, like on, t- on this past Tuesday, you won the Thunderdome as well as came in second on FanDuel for in a big contest. You you mm-hmm. net I don't know about the net but uh, grossed ninety thousand, and then over the past week, I've been playing these smaller field. You know, like the contest that you play, maybe not the fifteen hundred dollar version, but the the hundred dollar, two fifty dollar versions of that. I played the eight eighty eight yesterday, even so. I, I took my took a stab into that. I min cash, so that was fine. Uh, and I came in first on Tuesday, the same day that you won, and I came in second on Saturday. And that's why I've been kind of a uh, uh, joke, uh, trolling, tweeting you, saying, uh, I, "I I think I think I'm picking this stuff up." And you're like, uh, "Well, I hope you stay out of my fucking content." <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Like I start to finally uh, start bringing back in some money, and then you're making your way into into my contests and and winning them. So I don't know. It, it's like uh, it's a double edged sword, right? We start to talk about these things last last week. We start to talk about losing money, and then we start winning. But then I also now have to deal with you, uh, us talking about you getting into smaller field contests and stuff, and now you're winning them too. So it's like <laughs> we we joke about like oh you know saying good luck to people as long as you're not in my contest and now i can't even say good luck to you because you're you're, you're playing but are, are you play are you playing the 253 max are you playing the hundred dollars showtime are you playing those contests sometimes it kind of it kind of it kind of depends so like um i do i know it maybe like those if you're playing in like a 1500 dollars contest or something like that or 2000 or, or, or 5000 it doesn't sound like oh, just toss it into the two fifty. But I do attempt to manage my bankroll a little bit. So not always. It kind of depends. You know, if I play, I don't really play those 
when I, when I get into the $2,000 and $5,000 stuff. But if I'm, you know, more in like the 888, like, or maybe I want to play multiple teams like in the 888 instead of playing higher stakes than I might play in like the 250. Um, so it just kind of depends slate to slate. So, so I, I, we, I, we will end up seeing each other on the leave or at, at, at some point, but, uh, it's kind of weird for me to say, I've been doing this for the past little over a week. So since like past Sunday, where all I'm doing is making five lineups or six. Like yesterday I played the 88. That was my sixth lineup. I was like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, so mostly I'm playing $530 worth of GPP volume. This is on top of mm-hmm. like, I'm playing $3,000 worth of cash volume. So like, like all my GPP versus cash balance is, is in sync. Right. So like if I mm-hmm. lose all, all 530 bucks, I could still have a profitable day. I mean, like it's still yep. fine. So the 530 is typically a 250. That's a three max contest or four max or something. I only play one entry. Then I play the the $200 showtimes. One is like 600 okay. entries. One is like 300. Then I play the $40 mid-range jumper. One is like yep. 1100 and the other is like 700. Like it's typically like that. But the first place on... The minimum first place for those contests is $5,000, right? So, like, like it's either 10000 12000 15000 or 5000 7500 something like that. And I'm building five separate lineups, not just one lineup into all five contests. But because I don't need super leverage, or I don't need, you know, galaxy brain, whatever, like, I'm building them. It's It's weird for me to look at lineups and go... I don't, I think this may be too chalky and then it wins. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess that, that, that was fine. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm used to having to try to beat 60,000 people. So it almost feels like I'm building my cash lineup and then I'm kind of building five to me, cash like lineups. And, uh, I thought that I wasn't going to able to, I thought it would take me longer. Maybe this is just variance. Obviously, you come in first and you come in second in the course of five days, you know, you, oh, I, I got it figured out. Maybe I don't. Maybe it's just, you know, it just got lucky. Maybe it's just variance. Uh, but I, I feel like I, I made the shift in my mind in, in two directions. One, that I was able to build lineups that weren't like galaxy brain nutso that still had enough leverage. Because, I mean, I understand the concepts. It's just a matter of that balancing act. And two, yeah. not having that FOMO of of building those galaxy brain, like not having the FOMO of, uh, well, this is a slate where I could I could build fifty lineups into the fadeaway that are super leverage and like I could I could make a hundred k today. Of course, that happens once a season, maybe. Uh, I thought maybe I'd I'd have that 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 fear of missing out, and 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 I didn't. I almost I almost it almost was less stressful focusing on just like a handful of lineups where I don't have to necessarily worry about, well, today could be the day OG Ananobi puts up 45 points. Like, like unless, unless I need a small forward and he just projects well, like it's quite possible that even if he does put up 45 points, I could still win without him. Yet in a large field contest, it, it's almost impossible as long as he's owned like three or four percent, like it's going to be hard to win one without him. Uh, is it weird for me to say that 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 I kind I kind of like it better now? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know who I'm talking to anymore. 
like, like, how are you gravitating to this style of play? But no, I, I really do think, I mean, that's, that's how I felt. So I don't think it's funny at all that, that you, you feel that way. You know, there's this, it's, it's just this balance, right. Of like you, you're playing one to, to five teams so like, you know, if your your core strategy for that slate fails, you have no outs, right? Like, you know, you when you you're you're just dead, right? That $500 is gone. <clears throat> you don't you could you don't have the chance for that one out of 50 or one out of 150 to make up for, you know, a, a typically bad slate. So that's part of the risk that comes on, but to me that comfortability of I'm trying to look through the results last night and there really wasn't anybody that was totally off the the wall that that kind of went nuts but you know a lot of slates that does happen right like like you said og and anobi or some random backup right somebody gets hurt in the first right which that happens sometimes right okay thomas bryant got hurt not not last night but the slate before it's like okay nobody was playing mo wagner i mean i don't know maybe some crazy person in the lotto right in the eight in an eight dollar contest is playing robin lopez or or mo wagner or or whatever but you know, you get into any even like semi-small field, you just don't have to worry about those things. So it's a balancing act between like, look, I'm only playing one team or I'm only playing three teams or, or whatever. So like, you know, uh, it could. But but, know, but the but I, the I, mindset I, like you like you mentioned about like I don't have any outs. Like like I'm I'm used to losing ninety percent of nights as it is. Yeah. Like play, so like yeah. to me that that whole thing of like if I'm not if I if if all five of my lineups are wrong and I fail, then like I'm not. That's not what I'm scared. That's to me. I'm I'm used to that. I'm used to I can play eight hundred dollars yeah. worth of large field lineups and get eighty bucks back. Like I'm I'm aiming for first. I, I'm I'm used to that. Right. It's it's more it's more of the the I see the difference. I Eric, I I respect what you do a lot more. Seeing the comparison between how I this is kind of weird. It's only been a week yet. I'm going to say how I used to play the small field GPPs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. versus how I now do. Because what I used to do is I would make my cash lineup. That's easy. That's 30 seconds. You're done. Uh, make my large field build, 80 to 100 lineups. I'm using lineup HQ, doing, you know, spending an hour or whatever. And then I would have like three small field. A lot of times I'm doing this in NFL, not necessarily in yeah. basketball, but in NFL. I'm like, I have my power sweep lineup. I have my spy lineup. And I'm just like kind of taking, I'm doing like the best of type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, okay, it's an hour before lock. What do I feel like doing? Okay, let's do this line <laughs> stack. Like, I'm like, I'm almost b- being too nonchalant about it. Yeah. And I end up making lineups that are, that are truthfully over leveraged or just, they don't project well enough for the, the leverage that I'm get, getting because I'm in that large field mindset. So I'm like, what's the best of in my build? Like, well, my build has nothing to do with, I'm trying to win the slant. I'm trying to win, you know, those types of contests. So even my best lineup in my build is still probably not good. It still projects too low enough for the spy, even though that's contest is 4,000 entries, which is still big enough. Now I'm, I'm playing these, these contests that are three, 400, 800, a thousand at the most. And now I'm build. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to fade this guy. This is obvious. I can't, I'll take my projection if I fade this guy. People are going to, this guy's going to be a little too chalky, but he's at a position where there are other viable candidates that I could play. So like, okay, so instead of playing Embiid, I play Vooch. 
right? Yep. And since I'm playing Vooch, I'll play Drew Holiday. Well, now obviously Drew Holiday didn't get there. Uh, yes, on yesterday's slate that that uh, you know I'm giving the example for. Mm -hmm. But once I do that, once I play Vooch at like six percent instead of Embiid, and I play Holiday at two percent as a correlation on the other side of the game, it's like I literally the rest of basically all I'm doing right now is how do I fit the chalkiest best rejected players around the rest of my entire lineup and. What positions are they in? And I, I could even do that in lineup HQ and just lock, 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 optimize. That's my lineup. And yeah. to, to, to me, it because because I understand the concepts that are in a course like theoryofdfs.com, uh, I've always considered like I, my strength should be in large field contests because uh, number one, you obviously have a lot more dead money in it. So I'm playing these contests. I'm looking at the leaderboard in the in the 8088, and like I recognize everyone's name. Like <laughs> like it's not it's not like what it's not like Archfield where it's like who this guy like random guys and like I don't know who half the entries are. Uh, but but also that the 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 lineups the lineups that I'm making are are I feel more. It's kind of weird to say I feel more confident in. Like all I need is like this one or two things to happen and yeah. I could I could legitimately win first place. While in a large field, I'm like, I need chaos. Like yes. I like I don't even know what the yep. chaos is gonna be, but I'm build I'm building a hundred lineups for twelve different versions of chaos. <laughs> right? That's <laughs> that's, that's kind of what you're doing. But in smaller field, I'm like, I don't even need chaos. I just yeah. I just need things to happen 90% as likely as they should happen with about 10% of a, uh, who knows what happened. This game blows out and no one expects it. Or, right. or this, or this guy gets into foul trouble and this other center does well type of thing. And like, as long as that happens, like everyone else is kind of rostering. It's, it's, it's weird to say, like, just like at the poker table, it feels like I'm playing. I, I'm, I don't want to call everyone average players, but like, I get a sense of what, what my opponents are doing more than in a large field contest where I just need like the macro, what most people are going to do. And there could be crazy stuff in a lot of people's lineups. But in, I mean, we, we saw like, I think someone won the 888 with the snowflake with, the, I won, I won on Sunday. I, I came in, I, I, no, I won. I won the 5,000 in the showtime with 17 points from Cantor with a snowflake in my utility spot. And I'm sitting there going, oh, okay. And then you look and you see like Danny Green's 9.5 snowflake in the winning 888 lineup because the small forward position outside of Oladipo, really no one got there. But the, the contest only has 700 entries, 800 entries into it. Like the likelihood of like Oladipo was low enough owned that you needed the perfect combination kind of around him in order to get that first place spot. So if no one had that combination... Danny Green's 9.51. So, yep. like, that's, to me, I know, to, to people that play the small field, they must be listening to me going, yeah, yeah, that's, that is what it is. Uh, but when you come from large field contests, it's, it, it, it's, it's a culture shock. And it, sh and to me, it shows that, like, no, I got the, like, the, the same strengths that I have in large field contests apply to small field contests. It's just that, the edge between players is much narrower. 
right? I have a much yeah. bigger edge yep. against bad players in large field contests or so players that play things, right or players that get to too much yep. chalk. But yep. in these small field contests, I I I take a look at Utica's lineups. I took a look at FJ Bourne. I take a look at in the, in the in that contest in the Showtime in the eight eighty eight yep. now, and I look at these lineups and I go. Yeah, that looks like my, these look like my lineups, just with like a 2v2. Just like, yeah, everyone played this guy. Most people played this. The people that didn't play that guy played the other, like, like everything makes logical sense. But in the back of my head, Eric, I have to think, although I did well the past week, like if, if that's the edge, how much edge is there? And even though the variance in large field contests is drastic, I'm in the back of my head, I wouldn't I rather play against worse opponents? I'm looking at these 888 lineups going, how 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 do I how do I beat these guys? These not I I'm I'm going through, I'm scrolling Eric. I was going in my app. Let me take a look at this. Let me take a look at this. Let me take a and I'm looking at lineups going, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. Like, is there any bad lineups in this contest? Or is anyone make I mean, maybe there's a couple, maybe five percent. But that's the thing that I question. I that that's what I wanted to bring to you. On mm-hmm. is I mean we don't have a, even have a large enough sample to even I don't even judge this. But is that at least in the back of your mind going like? Is, are my results even over the past your I'm mean, saying my in your case results over the past three or four years a product of variance or do you? Is there edge in this contest over the rake? It's a good question. Um, so I did just want to go back really quick. And my favorite example of what you said of like not having to uh, like have perfect lineups, right? In these kind of contests on what was it last Friday or whatever they had the their DraftKings said their special like 2021. You know, they always do that. Right, like right. I didn't, but yeah, I would, you weren't going to catch, I was going to be dead in that. That would well, be, that would be like half my volume for a day. Come on. So Peter Liu is his name. He won it for three thousand um, really dollars. And, and I love Peter. 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 Yeah. He's he may be the most deserving person to win three thousand three hundred thousand. I totally agree. It was it was uh, you know the next person besides myself to win it. I, I would want. <laughs> I would want. I would want Peter. no one. Anybody that ever says like, oh, I'm I'm just as happy that he won it. They're fucking liars. But yeah. other than myself. Peter, yeah, uh, I wasn't was in the awesome. contest. Hey, Eric, I wasn't in the contest. I could, yes, yeah, so I could, I could root for him. That. He won with the zero. <laughs> Alex Len, yep. So, but um, it, it kind of outlines a little bit of the the answer to your question, but also some of the stuff you were talking about before. So, I think it's definitely a little bit of variance <clears throat> for sure. But I think my willingness, even more so than my opponents, to embrace that variance. I know that they're making good teams, but I, I will typically – I'm willing to take it like one small step further than they will. And I just get crushed plenty of nights. But like the night that Peter won, <clears throat> uh, I can't even remember who was like super popular early. It's probably another – you know, one of these teams that has some has some guys out. Um, and and, I, and I, I did the, the same thing as him. Um, oh, I think like the Celtics were shorthanded – whatever um he basically like full fa- there was like one guy that you like almost had to play you know like a Tyrese Maxey situation I think or, oh, it was Levert uh KD and Kyrie were both out he just locks Levert in 
people are playing all these other nets. People are playing some of these other punts from these early games. And then we had some really good late games, but it was like, you know, um, we had the, the Raptor situation, but you know, outside, outside of them, there weren't like any super awesome plays there. Um, but he just like full faded all the early, like all the early games and then like, okay, let me see what happens here. Right. Cause the other guys like outside of Levert were, were fine projections and they were fine plays, but um, being willing to kind of like take on that variance, like, dude, by, by 8 PM, you could be dusted. It could be over. You could have just pissed away $2,000, but none of those plays are such strong projections, right? They're not Tyrese Maxey. Um, and you know, they're, they're not the, the, what you, you know, you get Luca out and you get Jalen Brunson for 3000. Like they're not those situations. So you're just willing to take on a little bit of that variance. Um, and you don't even know, like, like you said, you're, you're not even like really building a team. Like your team is not like your team's not built until like after the whole first wave of games are over. And then we just so happened that night, you know, we had the Raptor situation with Kyle Lowry sitting. So multiple other Raptors were really strong plays. They end up starting Alex Len at center, which is totally unforeseen, <laughs> which is like, but that's the kind of situation you, you're trying to capitalize on in that, in that circumstance. I'm fading these early games, you know, maybe nothing pops up and I, and I'm playing a slightly less, uh, you know, a slightly lower projected lineup, but maybe something does pop up, right? You know, and that night we had the Lakers on on the late slate, and both LeBron and AD were questionable. Um, I think they both played, but it, it, besides the point, like you're just trying to see kind of you know use that optionality to your advantage. So that's that's the the optionality aspect. You know, so Peter uses it, uh, <laughs> pivots onto uh, a, a team that somehow still wins. The two thousand dollar tournament with Alex Len zero. Alex Len played four minutes, did not record a statistic, and uh, and never went back into the game. <clears throat> and Peter still won won the tournament, but he capitalized on um, you know just that that optionality, but also just like the uh, some of these projections, in my opinion, are a lot more uh, fragile than. You know, most of I don't even know that our opponents aren't giving it enough credit, but they just don't necessarily care enough. So last night, um, I'm sure that, you know, you, you remember Cam Johnson from the Suns was like a really strong medium projection. He, he plays like 25 minutes every night. He's like super consistent and super steady in the 20 to 25 point range. He was like wildly owned, one of the highest owned players on the slate because that projection was just so strong for his like $4,000 price. But like, you get these guys that yes, that median projection makes sense. I, I, I had no doubts about his, what his projection looked like. But you have a guy, you know, like an ancillary player on a team who who there's like no paths to him playing big minutes. Like there's no real path to him playing like ten minutes. But there's no path to him playing big minutes. There's no path to him getting like extra usage. You know, that's what we've seen it with the Nets a bunch of times, right? Look, God bless Torian Prince. I get that he projects well for three thousand dollars, but like he's never gonna shoot like fifteen or or twenty times. He's never gonna play thirty five minutes. Like those kind of guys um, always project well and always get a ton of ownership in these contests. And like when they do well, that's fine. You just you just lose. But being willing to kind of take on a slightly less projected guy, maybe that's in a later game. Maybe that's in like you know you're. I, I, I love doing the like Vooch and Drew Holiday thing like you talked about um, or 
last night with the Sixers using Hawks, using some Hawks guys instead. If you're playing, if you're playing Sixers, those kind of things. It's very different every every single slate. But I think over the long haul, um, you actually, it's not that you are you know playing these contests better than anybody. But I think if you do this slate after slate after slate, you have maybe more first place equity than the majority of of your opponents. Um, which is all I'm really shooting for, right? I, I want to get first. I want to get first place, and I think you can give yourself in NBA maybe even more than any other sport. You can give yourself more first place equity in these in these tournaments over the long haul than than you know. Like, look, everybody's playing a, a stack in baseball or football or whatever. Like, yeah, you can you can do all the right things in in tournaments, but I think in NBA it's such a different sport with all these different little variables. Um, and so much less about correlation that, um, that's, that, that's how I feel like, like just the way, like Peter played it so perfect, um, doing something like that. And, and, and it's a great illustration of like, he had like his cumulative ownership on his team. Like, especially if you take off Levert, it was like a bunch of 1% guys, but it wasn't like he went in trying to play that. It's just how it played out when he, you know, used his optionality to it, to his advantage. Um, so that's, uh, that's, you know, long winded way of saying, I think, that there's like a ton of different different variables, but it's kind of all about using a specific variable on that slate to give you as much like first place equity as you can. can right. Get. I think I think that the point that you're making is with the fragility of projections in the smaller field contests that are higher stakes. You would have to say that ninety plus percent of the field is using projections. Oh yeah, right. Is you is is using some type of projections, whether it be their own, an aggregate of others, other. I mean, they're 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 looking at projections as much as you do. And in and in and in NBA, projection models are not going to be that different from one another. Like there's that it, it we're talking about the difference of a point here and a point there. So yeah. you know, like you mentioned with Cam Johnson, you like Cam Johnson projects well for his position on a slate where small forward was garbage. Essentially, that's the only reason why he fits into lineups because you're filling your guard spots with Sixers, your center spot with the Sixer. You're like, like it just works out that you need a four to five K level small, small forward to fit into that type of high projected construction. And, uh, doesn't make Cam Johnson a good play. Just that, that, the lineup makes sense with him in it, but mm-hmm. everyone else knows that also. Like the, that's what that's what projections will tell you. So since you know that that's what the projections tell you, you're like, well, everyone else is probably looking at the same thing anyway. Also, so you're like, yep. is is there a way? This is this is the way that you should approach it. Is there a way? And this is maybe kind of method of how you think because it's very similar to how I think also. If I X'd out Cam Johnson, what do my lineups look like? Yep. Right? And then, like, like you may do it by hand. I may do it with a, with lineup HQ, with an optimizer, and go, let me try to play Cam Reddish. He's a little bit more money. He's 5,100, but he correlates with the 76ers, and he's going to be three or four times less owned. Uh, because he doesn't project as well. But he doesn't project, mm-hmm. like, horribly, horribly. But right. it's like, it's underneath Cam Johnson. And then I see what those lineups look like. And I go, okay, that's, I think that's doable, right? You look, and then you go, well, let's see if I can play an Oladipo lineup. Like, well, let's say, let's say I pay mm-hmm. up at small forward. Like, what do my lineups look like? Now I played an Oladipo lineup that had Mitch Robb 
at center because I had to pay down somewhere. Mitch Rob had a good game. Of course, the whole lineup didn't get there. Uh, or like I min-cashed like uh, yesterday. Uh, but that's what you're describing as basically using the projections against your opponents because you know <laughs> they're using projections. Now, but the thing is, Eric, they're also do most of them are also doing the same thing. Like they're, 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 we're not talking about robots here. That it's yeah. like, oh, we're going to play the top 18. Oh, we have 18 lineups to put into this contest. We will <laughs> play top 18 optimal. Like, no. Like, no one's doing that. They, they're, they're adding some form of leverage calculation to it. where Or they're running a simulation of the contest, of the size and the ownership, and going, who most likely appear, appears in optimal lineups and wins first place. You know, those types of simulations. Uh, so they're going to get different in spots. And they make it different in some weird spots, depending on how fragile the projections are. Uh, you're doing, you're essentially doing that, and me, I'm doing it also. Like when I play Drew Holiday and Vooch, uh, I'm we're doing it the same. We're doing the same exact thing. Of where's that? Where's every? Everyone knows the information. They, 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 I have projections. I'm going to win. Ain't going to cut it in these contests. Like like Mm-mm. in and of Mm-mm. themselves. Yeah, uh, I bet you'll actually. Not only is it not going to cut it, you're just going to constantly donate donate money because, like you said, you're using literally the same baseline as as everybody else, and then they're playing the game even better than you are. Right. You know, so they also they know the same information that you do, and then they're using that that against you, which is what which is what we're talking about here. But I do think NBA has become a you know there's a there's kind of a third level of you're using the we're all using the same baseline information, and then we're we're all we're all tweaking it. So then, how do I take it kind of one step further without being too crazy. Right. But I mean, and, and those directions, there could be a hundred of them. Right. Yep. And that's what you'll see. And that's, that's why, when I said, I look through all the lineups in the 888 and I'm going through one, like, let me take a look at Chipotle's lineups. Let me take a look at, at, at whoever. I mean, I, I can name everyone. I mean, like, it's very rare. I'm going through going, is there anyone I don't recognize in this contest? And that's where I pose the question of, like I'm going through. Okay, okay, they did this. Oh, okay, I see. Oh, they played Randall here instead. Okay. Oh, oh, they, oh, they, they didn't play Maxi, but they played uh, uh, Joe with Embiid, and they played Brogdon in the pot. Okay, I get that. And then I go, I go through all of that, and and I sit there going, yeah, these. If I if I had the choice of making all the lineups, these are the lineups that I. I mean, like all those leverage points. It's like, oh, there's that leverage point. There's this leverage point. There's that one. Like it seemed like no one went the Drew Holiday route, uh, maybe, maybe maybe for a reason. Maybe that's why he was one percent owned. Uh, uh, but I thought it made sense with Vooch, and Vooch projected well, or whatever. And the rest of the lineup was chalk as fuck. So uh, th- there are still those like you see all the routes. It's just a matter of which ones are you going to use. But that still comes down to the question of: Do you believe? And there may not be an answer to this. Or it may take you with such a large enough sample size to even get an answer of, do you believe that you'll choose the correct routes more often than your opponents, more than the rake, that long term, if this contest was full of equally or reasonably narrow uh, skill level, is the game beatable? Yeah, I think... It's, I don't know if there's an answer. Like I'm saying, I'm not posing right. it like you should have an answer. I don't know if there is an answer. 
No, I don't know. I don't know if there is an answer either, but I think the evolution of trying to answer that question is how is kind of like how you find out. Uh, so how I would like, I don't know, let's just say I don't have an answer. I don't know the answer to that question. We'll probably find out in a year or two or three or something. Maybe <laughs> or, someone or, has the answer. Maybe. Well, maybe. here, this is the way that you know that, that the answer exists. Okay. Truthfully, if you just go by like Occam's razor, if you just go by like, if any, if whoever has the answer isn't playing, right? Uh, yeah. It, it almost has to make sense. Like if you had the answer to that question and the answer was, yes, it's not beatable. That means anyone that you're playing against in the contest, that isn't the answer. So obviously if we, if we, if I asked, uh, if I asked Brian Hooper and I said, are these games beatable? And he goes, no. I'd be like, well, then why the fuck are you playing them? So, like, the answer is not going to be no, because if you didn't think yeah. they, unless you just like, just like, ah, oh, I'm just fuck it, I'm just like, it's even rake, and I just have nothing better to do. But I mean, I assume the people that play these contests are are top plus EV players that give a shit. So, uh, the guys that put in like one cash lineup and play like them all, that's a that's a, to me, I put them in a different bucket. But I'm talking about the ones that just play GPPs to play GPPs. Uh, just from a logic perspective, right? The, uh, the, it's more likely that the answer is that it is beatable because all these top players are playing it unless it's just one big delusion. Because it's still, at the end of the day, a game between two humans, right? So, like, you're going through and you're seeing, look, these are all smart, what we're talking about as smart lineups, but, but we, but now we know that they're doing that, right? I, I, I know, you know, you're, you're over the last week figuring out that they're doing that. This is how I know that they're doing things every single night for multiple years now. And like, they're going to win plenty. And, and, a, and a lot of these guys, one thing that I don't think gets taken into account, uh, maybe as much as if you look at that field of players, say in the eight eighty eight or especially uh, I think where my biggest edge is, is even as we move up to higher stakes and really small fields. Like if you look at, I don't even know what it is tonight, like the, the $2,000 contest on, on DraftKings, like 30 people, like 30 entries. So half that field is like cash game teams. And then the other half is like maybe some of these pivots off of this cash game team. So like, like last night in that, Cam, Cam Johnson was like 70% in that. So like that one small decision in and of itself in that contest is like, you know, like that, that's it. That's the make or break point. Right. And then you just add one or two little, little layers on top of there. Right. Like you play Vooch and you're the only, you're like the only person with Vooch in there. Vooch breaks the slate and Cam Johnson doesn't. It's like, boop, win. Right. Like that's it. Um, and that's a lot of the times what happens to me. But the other thing about like the, you know, as we expand into some of these contests that you're specifically talking about is these guys, this is not the entire focus of these guys play. So they're playing quality teams in there, but you know, they're maxing all the MME contests or they, or their cat or, you know, uh, they're in the bucket of the cash game players. Um, like, like you said, so I still think there are ways to manipulate your opponent's, even though they're making what we would perceive as good teams, identifying to your you know, kind of question, how do you identify that on a slate to slate basis? 
that is is very much so the the difficult part i think um the thing that i have uh, that, that i kind of wanted to bring up that i've started to really feel strongly about this year is like what i talked about with what peter won with it's it's largely what i've had the most success with so far this year and it's optionality in in nba i don't think enough people because it feels so damn uncomfortable to like set a lineup at lock and honestly really have no idea what you're going to play like is, so is that i, I mean want, is 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 that what i mean is that what you it there's a difference for instance between planning it out and basically saying I'm going to put a default lineup that just has APM players just so Locke could just pass and I just have more. And like, it's just, it is what it is. Like there's, to me, there's a difference because there was one slate last mm-hmm. week uh, with, uh, with the Kawhi national TV game thing that so I knew so many people were going to plan as if Kawhi was sitting. Right. So and, do the opposite. and I did the, do I, the I did the, I said, no, I'm playing early play. I'm going to act yeah. like he's playing because I think too many people are going with the optionality method and they're shoving in uh, Lou Williams and Batum and all those guys. And I'm like, if I'm going to play a $4,000 player, I'm going to play an early player. And if I get screwed, I get screwed. Fine, whatever. Uh, but I just think that my line of construction, because I'm still playing the small field contest. So I'm not, this isn't for large field. I'm just like, I'm just going to, if anything, uh, I could I could predict, okay, this Eric, this is what I did. I went into lineup HQ and I locked in George and Batum. And they said, what do these lineups look like? Mm-hmm. And then I could tell who, the, I could tell based on RG projections, which is going to be similar enough to other people's projections on who who they're likely not to be able to play. Like who, what what are those lineups looking like pay up at, at shooting guard? So I'm like, they're not going to be able to pay up at power forward. They're not going to be able to play this guy at center. And then I just go, well, I'm just not going to pay up. Because what's going to end up happening if Kawhi plays is that George doesn't become like a bad play. It's just that it's not a great play anymore. So I look and I go, they're going to have to pivot from this shooting guard. They're either going to have to stay on George or they're going to have to go down to, I don't know who they were playing that day. Like, I, I see how, like, you get screwed like if you try like if if you try to pivot away like you get locked in and you're in a bad spot so i'm like how do i get around the bad spot and i'm like let me just play a a 6k level shooting guard in that spot from an early game i can't play paul george at all but i'm banking on the fact that Kawhi is going to play and none of these guys are going to you're going to be stuck uh, you're going to have to go down at shooting guard and then play Kawhi in the forward spot where you used to have Batum in it. And it's like this lineup just is just too lopsided. Like you're going to leave 700 on the table. I mean, it it just gets you into a mess. So I, to me, I exploited that. I'm just saying I'm, I'm banking on the, it's kind of weird to say that I use the same strategy as they did in the reverse of yep. everyone's going the optionality route and I'm doing the other route. A lot of nights, you don't get to do a lot of nights. We have nothing to expect or anything. So you're doing the, uh, I'm going to just expect the unexpected in the late games. Or like we saw last night, uh, buddy healed and Rashawn Holmes were questionable. And you're like that. If you looked at uh, some of the reports, they were probably 75% to play, but what happens if they both don't play? We have these Kings that are going to, you're going to have 
guys that are going to be 2% owned because no one planned on the Kings and people have Pacers in their lineups. Yep. So like I can understand, I'm going to guess, Eric, to some extent that you thought of, uh, how do I play Brogdon, Sabonis, and Bagley slash Barnes or Halliburton, like those types of lineups. And the question is, did you think about that before lock? Or, and then set up your lineups accordingly? Or did you kind of like, you knew of that situation, but you're like, I don't have to think about it until nine o'clock. Yeah. So I definitely shouldn't say like, oh, you, you have no idea who you're playing. That's a slight exaggeration. Well, it's a massive exaggeration, but you're plan. you're definitely planning for things, but in certain circumstances. So like, again, using like Peter's example, you, you like you, you have a, a, a bit of a plan but to your point you're also like open to expect like expecting the unexpected you're like okay you start to toy around with things i can do some things here but you're a lot of the times you're either waiting on news or waiting on seeing what happens gathering that information about what has happened already right you fade x chalk player and they go for 50 you know they're they're 5000 and they go for 50 okay i got to do some very different things here uh with my lineup than i would have to do if that guy went for you know 10 or something. So it's definitely a very nuanced kind of answer. You're, you're definitely not, um, you know, 99.9% of the time, not just like locking in something with late game guys and, and saying, fuck it and figuring it out later. You're definitely, you're definitely doing some planning, but there's different levels to the planning. Um, you know, that like, so last, last night, as an example, I, d- I was definitely planning, but I was kept toying around. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't fading sixers. I'm playing some kind of sixers. And then I was do like I was looking at the Cam Johnson thing. I, I played Cam Reddish. I ended up landing on Cam Reddish and Trey Young, and with with some Sixers and basically just stacking that that game up, which that went well. Uh, so the you know I ended up I still wanted to leave some sort of optionality for exactly like what you talked about with the Kings. I think it's more than likely that they sit. But uh, the other thing that happened was Nick Nurse came out and for like <laughs> the tenth game in a row he said he's going to change the starting lineup again or he might change the starting lineup or something i don't know the raptors are a mess well yeah then you had chris you know you have, you have chris boucher who just apparently puts up 50 points every single every single night whether he starts or not um you know so there was just some things in flux and so i didn't really know you know who out of all that 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 i was going to play i had a forward spot and a utility spot but i was you know so i had an idea right i went through a bunch of different 2v2s but there was like 10 of them 15 of them i don't know between between all of that and I really wasn't sure but I wanted to gather that news and then ultimately when the game got close and I had you know who was starting and and were Holmes and and buddy playing then I would then I would decide but um, so so it's like yes and no I guess to that to that question you know are you planning y- yeah you're de- ultimately yes yes you are planning but there's different levels I think um, to the planning it could be you could be like you know okay we don't know if Anthony Davis is gonna play let's start planning out okay if he's in and if he's out let's build a couple different teams uh but it could also be so the night that um i had uh you know the night that i won the other night was the the night kd was out to covid protocols it was the first game i believe that he was out to covid protocols and they were playing the jazz the nets were playing the jazz and so Kyrie was was like expensive but very affordable he projected you know as basically the best expensive guy on the slate and then you had like all these nets but it was re- kind of really uncertain 
about exactly – and they changed their starting lineup. It, the Nets were like a little fragile, but they were all popular. And then the Jazz were popular on the other side. So it was like everybody was playing that game, which, is, which, I, which, which made sense in theory, but everybody was, everybody was doing it. So I just like fl- – I, I completely faded the game. And there were late games that night that were interesting, but they, you know, they definitely projected worse than that game. And you just kind of play the variance game. The game blew out. It blew out in the total opposite direction of what people thought it might do. The Jazz lost by by thirty or something to to the shorthanded Nets, which is like that. Like I would call that variance, but I'm willing to to take on that that variance and play the the, the optionality game. If the Nets did well, I wasn't dead, you know. In like you, you can you can still maybe scrape your way to a min cash, but I'm playing to the what low percentage outcome where that game blows out, or or people people are just picking the wrong Nets, right? Or people pick the wrong Jazz. It's not Donovan Mitchell, and it's 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 Joe Ingles or it's Jordan Clarkson. Like I, I can play that leverage play, but in the con going back to the contest that we're talking about. You don't have to hit every single one of those. I can just say, look, like my opponents aren't going to get it right. I may not get it right either. Sometimes I am going to leverage that, you know, definitely. But sometimes I'm just going to like, I'm just going to wait, wait this out and see, you know, maybe it, maybe it does. Maybe it blows out and I get lucky. Maybe my opponents just screw it up and I don't have to play the nuts, but my opponents definitely don't have the nuts. So I just got to beat them. Um, it's this, it's this weird balancing act every single slate, I think between all these different variables that I think that is the thing, um, that gives you an edge long term. but you know, night to night I'll screw it up. Sometimes I screwed it up last night. Um, but you know, you go back and you keep making that decision time after time after time. And I do think you can extrapolate an edge in, in your win equity. Like I'm, I'm trying to beat these guys in these small field contests. I'm trying to, I'm trying to take first. Um, I'm just going to take last a lot before I get there. Whereas they're going to, they they really are going to make a lot more teams that come closer to the cash line than than I will. Um, so I think I take on a little bit even more variance than than you know these these other players in these contests. Right. I mean, because if I take a look at at that slate, like I'm looking at results DB right now, and like that's that's what I did that slate. Like, and my lineup on that slate had no had none of that game. I I essentially played uh this was a slate where Jokic was chalk in the center mm, spot because yeah. there was no centers to pay up for and uh it seemed like uh you had the Minnesota Minnesota was playing uh what it was it was basically Minnesota versus Portland or versus Chicago yeah no it was Minnesota it was Portland versus Chicago in the late game and these are two teams with horrible defenses yep. and yes. it's like and it was Den. It was Denver versus Minnesota. So my line. Yeah, I mean, this, was, right. So this was they my had lineup. Just played those two teams had just played, and the the Minnesota side was really popular. But then we got this Nets stuff, and and it, it just kind of flipped the whole slate around, right? So where now the Minnesota guys who were just popular, but they just got their at, they lost by thirty or something, so they all sucked. Now it flipped the slate totally around. I was like, well, I can just play these. <laughs> Why can't I just play these guys again? Right, because I I looked at the the cheap Nets. And I this is this is this was my thought process of Levert is super chalk. Now people that play Levert are going to play Jazz, so they're going to play Mitchell or Go- maybe they play Gobert's leverage instead of Jokic in the center. But mm-hmm. my attitude was is that Levert was the number one leverage point. Levert or Lo- Jokic 
with the two leverage points on that slate. That those are the two chalky players. The center position was so bad that slate that if you faded Jokic, you really didn't. Like, I don't know what I would have done. It Zubach was like the next bet, and then come on, that's ridiculous. So I'm like, yeah. the best bet would be for me to fade Levert. But then that that you get like this compounding thing of well, if Levert doesn't do well. That means the Jazz that don't do well. That means the game may not do well, and it's all chalky. So I'm like, is there a way for me to, if I don't play Levert, to, can I play cheaper guys that aren't Nets? And I'm like, Wancho Hernan Gomez is 3,400. Mm, and he's against Jokic. He's in the same game as Jokic. Tail and Hoarder Tucker. I know he's just coming off the bench or whatever, but he's 3,400. He's still better than Jeff Green or Torian Prince or... Name the Nets, name any net that was going to be twice his owned. So I'm like, like, I need a small forward. So I'm going to shove him in. And then I take a look and I go, well, this this Portland-Chicago game has a high total and these teams don't play defense. So why don't I just play uh, uh, C.J. McCollum and Kobe White against each other? And I had lineups that had Levine and Lillard. So it's like I was like doing that because I wasn't playing Levert in those lineups. So I have these guard spots at those price ranges available. Mm-hmm. And then I could just jam in Jokic into these lineups and Cantor just ended up being like the last piece, but he's in the Portland game also. So like this lineup makes sense to a uh, leverage point of the Nets jazz game failing. Yep. And that's all the I needed. Thing, the other thing I think that also was and ended up being interesting about that slate was, and I can't remember now, maybe you remember, but uh, Paul George sat out right i but i had batum in my lineup that's i mean i had batum at eight percent in my lineup but i but i don't think we knew that no no it was it was the day eric it was the day where we didn't know it before lock and then at like 8 30 eastern he got turned into questionable like it was that that and and eight third people are starting now to remove him from lineups (laughs) right that type of we did but we didn't know before lock which means that if you had nets in those spots It's kind of hard to move around. But the thing was, the difference between me and you, I think, is that I planned the fade. Like, I I wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to fade the first game and see what happens. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to fade Levert in this lineup. I still played Levert in other lineups. I played a Levert-Mitchell-Gobert lineup, so that failed. So I played five lineups. So I played a non-Levert, this non-Levert lineup. This is literally the lineup that... I made. I mean, I was going to play Batum even if George played. It's just that I needed a $4,600 forward eligible player that wasn't a net. And he, okay, he's, he's going to play 30 minutes. He may not do anything in those 30 minutes, but who knows? Uh, I just got, I, I obviously lucked into George not playing, so he fit. But it also allows me to reserve the right to change everything. Like, I planned mm-hmm. this lineup to fade that first game. So it wasn't for optionality. It was purely because the first game was jockey. Now, if that game, like you said, if that game went off, Levert has 65 points, and maybe I take a look at this lineup, and, the, you know, the first reaction I would have, I need to get Jokic out. Yep. Right? Because you need to get the, the 41%. How do I build this lineup now without Jokic in it? And maybe if I don't play Jokic, that means I don't play D'Angelo Russell in this lineup because I hope that game fails, and then I end up... I George ends up being out. I end up playing... Kawhi, instead of Jokic, I find some... I play Cantor in the center spot, and this whole lineup changes around. But it turned out, that's late. 
that what I planned on, the first game failing, for this lineup to succeed, that first game has to fail. It did. And George sat, so Batum ended up being a good value. So, like, I'm looking at this lineup going, why do I, why do I have to change anything in this lineup? Now, in the lineup that I had, Levert, Mitchell, and Gobert, that's the lineup that I'm like, okay, let's see. This, this is the, that was the fade Jokic lineup. So it didn't have any Minnesota or Denver pieces. So, like, that's the lineup where I'm like, well, I have snowflakes. Uh, what, what do I do? So a lot. Th- this is what I mean uh, when we talk about lineups, not players, that, like, the win condition of the lineup that I just mentioned is with the first game failing. But the win condition of the lineup that I also had is the first game succeeding. So right. it's not just a matter. Now, you, you may only be playing one lineup. So maybe you're only playing for one condition. But I'm playing five lineups, so I may be playing different win conditions. So when you ask me, are you playing or fading a player? Well, it depends on the lineup that it's that it's in. I know that the lineup that I made with uh, Mitchell, Gobert, and Levert, if that succeeds, the lineup that I, I'm showing right now, that won five thousand dollars, fails. Like I know, like it's 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 mathematically negative EV to play both of them together because one has to, in order for one to win, the other one has to fail. But my goal is to win first place. So like yep. I want, it's very similar to what we do with showdown. You could play a five, one lineup in one direction and a five, one lineup in the other direction. And just like, I hope one of these teams blows the fuck out of the other team because <laughs> I don't care which one it does it, but I have the condition that in both those scenarios. So that's thinking in terms of lineups versus do I think, who do you think is going to do better today? Levert or Jokic? Like, I don't give a fuck. All I know is I'm probably not playing both in the same goddamn lineup, right? Because then I have yep. no leverage because then then I end up being, you know, a chalk lineup. So I, I think this is what you mean by highlighting. Uh, this is the game. Like this is, this in even in the small field high stakes where everyone knows this, it's similar to playing the the final table of the World Series of Poker. I mean, you're it's still playing high stakes poker with uh, eight opponents that you all look at and you go, is there is there a bad player here? No. Yeah. We just have to hope that I have a big enough edge over the eight opponents I on this day that beats the rake, and and you're fine. So that's that's the that's the only thing that I that's overall, Eric. That's the reason why I focused on large field GPPs. Because it, it it's hard for me to break out and, and go, is there an edge in these contests? Let's say I am good enough, which I think I am, to be in your type of contests, right? You would look at me, Eric, I'm assuming, not just because we're recording, that <laughs> if, I, if I was risky enough with my bankroll that I didn't mind playing the Thunderdome every day, that you, 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 it's, I'm not throwing money away. No. Right. Now I'm not going to take that risk, but I could, but if that's the case, then like how, if you're taking even 8% rake, 7% rake, like are, are, how many deadline, how many, like how much, how much of an edge, even, even if I, like how much of an edge anyone could have over each other, but in the large field contest, like I could see it so easily. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. easily, I could see 10% of lineups that have like, so much, such a low projection there at the bottom that is like you have no shot. And then you have 10% of lineups that 
are like catch lineups that are going to hover in the min cash range that have no shot at first place. And I look and I go, 20% of the lineups at this contest have like no shot at first place. The rake is 15%. So like, <laughs> like how, how am I not just playing these contests other than the fact that it's 100,000 the first, seven places a set of steak knives, and you better hope <laughs> to God that variance goes your way in a whole year in order for you to goddamn bink. Like, to me, that that's the concern in those contests. But from an EV perspective, like, even giving that example, Eric, even if there is an edge in the smaller high-stakes contests, it's, it's it can't ever be higher than in the large field other no. than the fact that maybe you get a chance to realize the smaller edge better in the higher-stakes small field than, you know, risking going five years without being profitable in large-field GPPs. I, and I think that's it. I think you you have a your edge is smaller with a much higher chance of realizing that edge into into first place, like you know, true true win equity, right? Like, the, like I scored three hundred and thirteen points. I'm trying to look at the the other like contests that that night um, on 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 DraftKings, like you know they we don't need to go into the, the differences between the, the contests again, but you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't crushing, crushing people, but I'm just realizing, I just happened to realize that edge, um, in one, right. Uh, that one condition, like you talked about that one scenario, um, I hit that, uh, you know, one thing I needed to get right basically. Um, and it wins, it wins it for you. Like in these larger fields, there's, like you said, you gotta, you gotta you know, go kind of nutso, right. And hit a bunch of these different things have to go to go right for you because it wasn't just fading that game. Like that was like, it was, it was like almost impossible not to win like these 30 man contests. If you faded that game, because literally no one faded that faded that game. Um, in, in those contests, I was the only one, right. So I, I'm, like, I'm yeah. taking a look at the Thunderdome right now and understand that the Thunderdome is the smallest of small. I mean, this yep. is 21 yep. people. So like, yep. Like, yeah, the showtime I won was like 400 or something, 350. Yeah. 21 is, you could you could legitimately play your cash lineup into these contests. Like People do. People do, right. But I mean, right. But your lineup, which scored 313, had Lou Williams, had Luke Kennard, had Kawhi Leonard. So basically you capitalized on the Paul George sitting news. You yep. played Jokic and Hernan Gomez with Russell and DeRozan. You scored 313, but Wilson, who came in second, had like the cash, had Kyrie, uh, Ed Davis, who is like the cheap chalk, right? A uh, Lou Williams. Uh, he, no, he pivoted from, basically he was, he, he played, he played Kyrie. That's that, because he was, he was the chalk. And Prince, yep. And Prince. And then obviously when George sat, he moved around to Russell and Kawhi and Lou Williams and played Zach Levine, who was also 50% owned. So like, like he, he didn't fade that game and he still came in second. Yep. Right. So like even Kobe for MVP that came in underneath that. Yeah. It was most, he played, yeah. Irving and Mitchell and Prince. Wancho put up a huge game. So he had that. And then he just pivoted from the, the Clippers news. But it's like, like you don't even have to you don't even have to fade it. Like you yeah. if it wasn't for the fact, Eric, that you faded 
Kyrie Irving, Wilson would have won. Yeah. Right. I mean, like just simply fading Kyrie Irving and playing a different lineup won you the Thunderdome. Right. But I am so kind of like I talked about with, uh, you know, it's it's almost like uh, the opposite of what we'll talk about with with NFL, um, where in the situation like that game, just about everyone is popular. And sure, you can like fade Kyrie and play whatever. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't even remember who Chris Chiosa or whatever. Like there are like, I guess, technically leverage points like that, but everybody, you know, with a strong enough projection was, was owned in that game. And like, I I will, I will take it like to this next level, right. Further than any of these guys will in this and just like bet on my opponents, not hitting the nuts. I'm basically willing in these contests, I'm not going to hit the nuts, but I just have to beat these 20 guys you know, or these hundred guys or whatever. And, and like, it feels weird saying that, right? Like in football, it's very different. I'm going in, like, even in these small, yes, I don't have to hit like the, the Millie maker nuts, right? The Isaiah McKenzie example that we talked about what last week or two weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, you don't have to hit, like, I'm not worried about that in, in any of the, the, the stuff that I'm playing, but in, but in NFL, even in the smaller field contests, you, 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 I, I believe, pretty passionately that like the leverage points and some of that stuff is, is really important. I think NBA is just a, a a little bit of a different beast. Um, especially this year with, I mean, we just, while, while we're recording another game got postponed for tomorrow, it's tomorrow, but, um, there's just a lot of kind of anarchy in the NBA right now. More, the games are blowing out like 10% more of the time than, um, in previous years. I don't know that that's sustainable. I don't, you know, but it is what it is. It has it has been true so far this year. Um, I mean, Kyrie. Now we're talking. We're, we're like, uh, I, you know, I, I hope everything is is okay. I don't wish ill of anyone, but Ky- no one even like knows where Kyrie is. He's off the grid. You know, like guys are coming down with COVID every day. Teams are playing with eight guys. Games are getting postponed. We had the shortest off season ever. Players are resting, you know, and then then Kawhi, people's everyone's assuming Kawhi is going to rest a back to back and he plays his first back to back in five in five years or whatever. It's, there's just so much variance, so much more variance um, than I think than there was before um, and definitely more, you know, the millionth time we say definitely more than people are willing to give it to, uh, you know, give credit to that, especially when we get into these small field contests. I'm willing to really embrace a lot more variance, maybe even than I would have in the past, um, even if it's like not necessarily direct leverage. But I just think like that, like identifying that on every single slate is 100% the hardest part. But that's like my focus all the time. I don't really care about projections, but I'm going in and really, really massaging to try to find my angle. And I'm willing to go a little bit further to find what I think is the right angle. Um, and I think going in knowing like, look, I'm not going to build the nuts um, and I don't need to build the nuts, but I need to find the right angle um, to play to, to beat this specific subset of, of DFS players. And it's definitely hard. I mean, like uh, I don't think I won a slate since, since this one or something, uh, maybe a cashed one or two, but uh, I don't need to, right. Um, I just need to win X amount, X amount of the time. And I just think it's, it's kind of a really unique game right now. 
um, NBA DFS is. So uh, I'm approaching it as such. But I mean, you have to assume that that other people are also. I mean, like you're not, sure you're, you're, right? You're not going in going, oh, none of none of these other sharper players are realizing how much variance now there is with with all the variables that you mentioned. So they're doing it too. But you're you're the edge that you think you have is that you're going to do it better. Yeah, pretty much. I do think I don't think people take it to as far as they should. Okay, so you think, think so? You think I, the I edge is that that the fragility, the that the projections are much more fragile than they have been in the past. It's mm-hmm. not. You don't think in terms of the projections are fragile to begin. I mean, you think in terms of projections are fragile to begin with. I mean, that's. I mean, you you you're playing you're playing the kind of anti-projection game to begin with. Yeah. Of the well, I know Cam Johnson fits into these bills, but I'm not going to fucking play him. Like you're <laughs> you're still doing that, but you're accounting for much more variance than even that. What you're hoping that other people are just playing NBA DFS like it was last year, not even yeah. the bubble. I'm talking about like before pre-COVID, uh, and then exploiting that 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 because you you believe it, it could not be true. We only have a small mm-hmm. sample size. But from what we've been seeing, look at how many times that you go on Twitter. And, oh, another goddamn blowout! <laughs> like, like, not like you're just sitting there going, going really? It's like, <laughs> and and you can't predict what game or what side of the game. Like, because no. people are like trying to predict. Oh, oh, the Magic are gonna get blown out by the Bucks, and the Magic did get blown out by the Bucks, but the but the Magic still got there, and the Bucks yep. didn't get there. It's that's how ridiculous <laughs> it is, right? The Magic lose by twenty four. And the best scoring players in the game are Gordon Vucevic and no one from the Bucks gets there because it's all spread out. So it's like, even if you did that, right? And then you look and you go, oh, uh, so the, uh, the, the Nets are shorthanded. They're going to get blown out by the Jazz. And then they blow out the Jazz, right? And then, and then so it could be an even everybody, spread. It could be a wide spread. It doesn't matter. Everybody plays the Sixers last night, right? Thinking, oh, it's just such a great, such a great matchup. And, and it was... But nope, I, I never heard anybody say like, "Oh yeah, I can't play these Sixers because they're gonna." No, I know they only had nine guys, but like, "Oh, I can't play these Sixers because they're gonna get crushed by the Hawks." And they were down thirty at like Embiid. They pulled Embiid four minutes into the second half because they were losing. They were losing by so much. Or Westbrook. And, and Westbrook not, is out for the Wizards, and they're like, "Well, the Suns are one of the top-rated defenses in the league in this short sample size. The Wizards are awful." Uh, uh, I don't know if I can play Beal. Uh, you know, they could, no, the Wizards blew the Suns out. <laughs> the only reason Beal didn't complete, I mean, he kind of broke the slate, but the only reason Beal didn't totally break the slate because they were up by 35 after after three quarters. Like, he, uh, he could have scored 80 fantasy points or something. So, it, it, you know, these are, it, it could 100% what you said. It could absolutely be short-term short-term variance and everything could spin back around and i think it is also slate dependent right when lucas sits out and we you know we're getting that right now with you know when you get a bunch of guys that are three thousand dollars because the whole team is out with covid it's a little bit of a different slate than um uh you know if tyrese maxi is three thousand i mean even when he was forty seven hundred it's like yeah you know, this is not exactly the easiest situation to bet against. It's so difficult for those guys to fail. When Jalen Brunson is 3,000 and Luka's out and all these guys are out, like, you know, it's a very different situation. But when Cam Johnson <laughs> is the chalk, right? And we have seen some other slates where, like, you know, I can't I can't think off the top of my head, but the Cam Johnson types, right? James Ennis, 
when these guys project Gary really Clark. Well, they, Gary Clark, right? When these guys, these guys, just because they, like you said, it's a combination of popping in projections, position, uh, you know, I need to fit Embiid and I need to fit Jokic and I need to fit whatever. So that, so that, you know, they become popular, but it's like when those guys become popular, like, yeah, like I, I want to play the variance game. Yes. It's more than likely he's going to score 24 or 25 fantasy points and my opponent's are, are fine with that. But like, even then, so what, <laughs> so what if he scored, like if Cam Johnson scored 25 fantasy points, like he does a lot of the time, does that mean you lose? No, like you probably, you have a worse projected player than what he probably gets, but like, I still would rather have Victor Oladipo, right? He scored 40 something. And, and sh- <laughs> despite shooting 10% from the field or whatever, I, I just think people are, are, uh, sometimes, um, I don't mean like the players that I'm playing against or that you're playing against. Some people are sometimes uh, playing, you know, a little bit more un- unwilling to lose. Um, and so they tie themselves still to this day to those projections a little too strongly. And so um, right now, at least, I feel like we should take it even a little step further playing that variance game just with this, the state of, of the way. So it's a combination of things. The state of like DFS, I know these guys are good. I know, I know that my opponents are, are putting in good lineups, so I need to, to to try something to take it a step further. Right now, what is working for me is playing a little bit much more volatile style of play than maybe I normally would. And I'm not even playing that volatile, right? When you were playing uh, the MME contest, you were playing much more volatile lineups. Than, right, than I, right. I take a look at your lineups and go, well, they're still not good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not, it's not like, like I'm sounding here, like I'm like, oh, I got to play these absurd. Line. I'm, I'm not doing that, but I'm just taking one angle, basically, typically one, you know, maybe two angles to a slate that are a little bit more volatile than maybe I would have played last year or definitely more volatile than I would have played two, two years ago. Right. Like, I mean, like we both did it, but like going into, you know, a, a small field and outright fading the nets without without half the half their team is like you know something maybe uh in the past we wouldn't have to do because we didn't need to um right because they'd be they'd be under because what would end up happening if we go back three four five years ago i mean obviously go back eight years ago you be even more different like i'm taking a look at my showtime contest that i was in last week that we're talking about because why not talk about the slate where we both did well right Right, yeah, yeah. You, I made five thousand. You made ninety thousand. I'm not jealous, whatever. <laughs> but I ten, like, I ten xed. So I mean, like, so I put in five thirty. Like I mean, I made I fifty x my entry fee. So like, you only ten xed your entry fee in the Thunderdome. So like, if we yeah, exactly right, we we put it. So I'm just looking at the ownership in the in the Showtime NBA thirty k from back then. Uh, or uh, Kyrie was thirty fifty three percent. Torian Prince, Torian fucking Prince was forty two percent owned. <laughs> Jeff Green was 37% owned. Ed Davis was 29% owned, right? So, I mean, like, this is higher than what was in the large field contest. The large field contest, Torian Prince was not 42% owned. He was, like, 28% owned. So, like, there's more value to, can I find another, can I, why don't I just play, he's literally the same price as Juancho Hernan Gomez. Like, why don't I just play Juancho and Wancho was 10% owned. Of course, Torian Prince put up 13 and a half and Wancho put up 46 and a half. So <laughs> that definitely, that definitely helps. You get a lot of relative value yeah. in that case. But looking at this, it doesn't make me scared to fade anyone. 
I'm getting yeah. because these guys are higher owned than even in large field GPPs. It make it becomes that they're inefficiently owned. Exactly. Like they're all yeah. giving you negative leverage. They give you great projection, which is what you need in these large field con- in these small field contests. But you could find projection elsewhere. I could play. I take a look at Zach Levine at forty percent owned, going, "Why can't I play Kobe White at twelve percent owned?" Like, it's not like Kobe White's only going to score ten points. Like, he's still a good player, right? Instead of playing Lillard, I play McCollum. Instead, I mean, like, instead of playing Jokic, I play Gobert. Uh, Gobert. It's it's. I'm not playing shit players. It's just a matter of like when when Torian Prince is is forty two percent owned. It's like. I'm not. I'm not scared. It. I could fade that. If Kyrie Irving is 53% owned, like, it's not like I'm fading him and then playing garbage. I'm playing. I'm playing fucking Jamal Murray. I'm playing C.J. McCollum. I'm playing Damian Lillard. I'm playing D'Angelo Russell. I'm not. I'm naming all stars here. So, yep. like, Kyrie Irving is 53%, and 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 Demar Derozan is 8%. Yes. Irving, uh, Kyrie is going to beat DeRozan more times, but not fucking seven times more often. So when you think in those terms, you could just easily say, I'm not playing Kyrie Irving. Yeah. But then, and then once you know that you're fading a 50 plus percent on player, like the stress of leverage in your lineup just goes out the window. Right. Exactly. Right? It's just that, like, that's that's that, I, I don't have to, it's not, it's not large field stuff where it's like, okay, then I do that. And then I still have to do something else. Like, I know where the leverage point is. Like on yesterday's slate we had with the Sixers and uh, and and everything. Like basically it was uh, Maxi and Embiid projected higher than anyone else. And I'm like, I, I said in the Discord, in Roto-Grinders, I said, there's no way for you to make a good lineup without at least one of them. Yeah. Like, and you're more likely to, to, to fade Embiid because there are centers av- available that were close enough. So now you now play Maxi and all, in, in any Embiid lineup, if, if you don't have Embiid, just play 100% Maxi. He just, he projects too highly to do that. But, uh, oh my God, I'm going to fade a 47% owned and beat. Who gives a shit? That's what you have to do in order to win first place. But you're not going not like, I, I think, I think we're both highlighting the same point, Eric, of like, you talk about galaxy brain. You're talking about galaxy brain in the scope of a hundred man contest, mm-hmm. right? So like galaxy brain is like, I fade Kyrie and then just build any lineup I want. Like that <laughs> yeah. that's all that's all galaxy brain you have to be. In large that's field, when funny. I talk about large field stuff, I'm talking about, well, we're gonna stack this, we're gonna fade this stack, we're gonna do we're gonna flip the construction, and then you look at the lineup and you go, Wow, that projection is twenty seven points off optimal. Like uh Okay, let's give it a whirl. Let, let, let's yeah. let let let's hope it gets there. Let's go, put it in, let's see, let's see what happens, type of thing. Uh, and these contests, you don't have to do that. So uh, that that's why I wanted to come on and uh, and I, I and you put it you you put it right. That the thing that I I need to I need to to pin up to my my computer, my post-it note, is uh, which I knew beforehand. That's why I said like my lineups felt like they were too chalky. And it's uh, you don't need to build the nuts. No nuts building required. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna pin up. <laughs> no nuts building required. Yeah, no nuts building building required. But it really is. Uh, I, I'm looking at the the lineups. It really is funny when you when you put it into that context. When you remove like the the exact slate specifics, and you look back at that slate. I'm like, 
well, it's a combination. Again, it usually is a combination, right? This shit is nuanced, but um, that optionality helps you get to some of this sometimes um, because I didn't know Paul George was going to sit going into it. So you, you get a little lucky, but that's also part of the game that we're playing, right? But, okay, $4,000 Lou Williams without Paul George. D'Angelo, 7200 D'Angelo Russell without 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 Cat. Taylor Horton Tucker, fine. Min Price, Wancho Hernan Gomez, again, without Cat. Jokic, Kennard, and Kawhi without without Kawhi Leonard, and DeMar DeRozan. Like, who on that list was named that, that like, if you, remo- again, remove, like, the all the rest of the slate contest, you're like, what is that, a fucking cash team? You know? Like, if you remove everything about the Nets and all that from that slate, you're like, what do you mean? Like, we, we would always play those guys. Like, if we, right, like, if, if we, like Eric, I, but what you're saying is, it, let's say on that slate, which was a short slate to begin with. It was only a five-game slate. Mm-hmm. If you remove the net, if you remove the Nets game completely from the slate, let's say that game could just that, just act like it doesn't exist. Your lineup would be my cash lineup. <laughs> I mean, like that's, that's like like that wouldn't be like that's lit. Like that was close to what my obviously in cash I was playing playing Nets. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyrie and and probably either Jeff Green or Torian Prince in the lineup. But if that game was off the slate, your lineup would be one of the top if by RG projections, it would have been one of the top 10, if not the top five, if not the top one. Right. Yep. So like, yep. and that's, and it, once you put it into that perspective, it's like, like how contrarian really was it? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was, it wasn't contrarian at all. Aside from removing, like we're playing Jenga, right? I removed one block and it, whatever was left standing is like, Looks good, and then yep. and then you, and then your fate a lot of times is you're not betting on your lineup, you're betting on everyone else's lineup failing. Exactly, and that, that's so I think you know we've talked for a little while, and and I rambled on about some some different things, but that's what it we're formulating these thoughts as we go, right? That's why it's a real show because that's a, I don't even know we we don't we don't plan any of this. There's no agenda here. There's no Google we're, Doc yeah, for this. Yeah, we don't even know what the hell we're going to talk about when, when we hop on. So. You know, like I'm formulating these thoughts as we're talking all that through, but that is, you know, the, the, you don't have to build the nuts. No nuts building required. That's good. That's, that's going to be the title of this episode. No, no nuts building required. And like, I'm not even really betting on my team, you know, like I'm betting again, I'm just betting that my opponents fail. Right. And like, I'm not projecting them to fail. Was I projecting the net, the Nets to win by? No, of course I'm not projecting the Nets to beat the Jazz by 40, you know, and nobody plays the fourth quarter and, and, and all of that. But like, what's the optimal without a certain, you know, like whether it's, yeah, remove a game or like take out a certain situation, right? X out Cam Johnson, you know, and now what? Now, now what do I need? Like, what does this look like? Right. Or X out, like you said, lock Maxi, X out Embiid. Now let's look. Now let's look at what some things that we need to build, you know, like, and maybe it's maybe one slate. It's one thing, right? This slate that we're talking about here, it was like, let's just remove that fucking game. And now let's, let's look at it. It's other slates. It might be a couple things, right? Just depending on exactly how much, you know, uh, leverage you need to get against your opponents, like how many things, uh, you know, whether it's collective ownership or whatever need to go your way. But like, I'm just trying to, to find, you know, the the easiest path to first, and that path is usually some sort of failure. By I'm just betting against, you know, some situation, and, and then that, and, that's, and then having enough simple. points, 
Like this is yeah. this this is related to the concept of trying to win the low scoring slates. Mm-hmm. Winning the high scoring yeah. slates means that your lineup is extremely chalky, and you got that one slight pivot better than anyone else, and you won. But yeah. it's hard to win that way because you have to find that slight little thing that makes you different. But when the chalk fails, like dude, there's so many lineup combinations that could win when the chalk fails. Like it's it's not a matter of like you you could have made probably 10 different lineups of 4v4s that don't include the Nets uh Jazz game that would have won the Thunderdome. So it yeah, just it really by, came it, down it, it to the by, Nets failing. It won by 18 points and Taylor Horton's Tucker scored 13 points and DeMar DeRozan is 8000 and scored 20 and scored 22. Right. So it's like, you know, you don't you, you don't have to hit the nuts. And then, you know, you know, you can say, well, yeah, you you landed on 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 Wancho, but it's like that that's what I think Leone has talked about it multiple times and I really like how he talks about it. People will say like, "Oh, did you get too contrarian or did you do this or that?" He's like he's like, "No, I like I'm just giving myself shots at 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 winning, right?" And so removing that Nets game and then playing, you know, the the best plays that, that are just so happen to be lower owned. I'm just, I, I don't know who's like, I don't really care who's in. It could have been Lou Lou Williams could have scored forty, right? Or or Taylor Horton Tucker could have scored forty, or Luke Kennard. I don't. It doesn't matter. They're all just they're all just, the, you know, the the names that just the next best plays. Right. They're just names after, on a spreadsheet. Right. They're yeah, just. So I don't. Right. Yeah. Demar Derozan would just. Flip to flip Wancho and Demar Derozan score. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Like you just got one thing right, and then the, the rest of the points just accumulated as they accumulated. Right. You, you, you could have played Kobe White instead of Derozan and and gotten more points. It wouldn't have mattered. You would have came in first by thirty yeah. points, right? You could have played McCollum in another combination, and you would have got one by twenty two points. Like like your 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 win condition of your lineup. You, you could have made you, you could have legitimately made ten to twenty lineups that. Faded that game that could have won. So when people ask why did you pl- why did you play that guy, I, that there's no answer. That that this is this is what gets broken down to in the theory of daily fantasy sports course, fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass, theoryofdfs.com about lineups. Right? We 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 talk the order. I, I posted this in in the Rotogrinders Discord. I think I think this is as part of the advanced series. I guess when we do it the advanced guide or whatever that I, I've narrowed down the mindset shift of when you know that you're thinking about the game properly. Most average DFS players, I put the order, the order of your thoughts. So we, we, we think we, we talk about the levers, right? Projection, correlation, and leverage. Okay. That's one thing. As far as thinking in, in these terms, you would, uh, the proper way to think is in this order. Contests, lineups, players. What contest am I playing? What type of lineups can win this contest? What players fit those constraints that are in those lineups? And it could be 100 different combinations. It could be 100 types of lineups could win this type of contest. That's the way that a good player thinks about DFS. While the average player thinks the opposite way. What players do I want to play? Oh, Kawhi looks nice. Oh, this guy projects well. Oh, this. And then go, how do I fit these guys into a lineup? Right? That's their second step. And then the third is, oh, let me see what contest I want to put this in. Right? (laughs) 
But now you laugh and you're like, yeah, that's obviously the, the, the opposite order that you should be thinking. Because is that lineup good for that contest? Maybe not. Are these, do these players meet this lineup's meeting, like the full lineup's ownership and meeting projection? You don't know. You just, that's where you get the people that ask you, uh, I got $4,800 left. I need a, I need a small, what's the, be- uh, I need a, a guard, 4,800. What's the, what, like, anytime I know someone asks that question, it's like, you're thinking in the wrong order. Like mm-hmm. if you got to that point and you're stumped, you probably did some, your, your mistake was before that point, yep. right? It's not like now you need to play the best projected $4,800 guard, no matter what the fuck it is. Like, <laughs> no, but you would agree with that, that the order of thinking is contest line lineups, players, and that 95% of what you see, we do content because people are thinking in terms of players, lineups, contests. That's when people get frustrated with our answers of, well, it depends on the contest. And they asked me about a player and I go, well, it depends on the lineup and the contest. And then they go, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Well, like you're, 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 you're at the third step. You're telling me something in the third step without telling me any context in the first two. So what the fuck does the player matter? Yeah, yeah, it, and I, I even saw it like on Twitter this morning or in like the Slack groups that I'm in. People, oh, like I, I played Mike Scott and I knew I should have played Kevin Knox over him, right? I had the feeling about Kevin Knox, and it's like, it's like, sh- like sure, Kevin Knox was 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 fine. Like I'm, like congrats, I guess, like for calling Kevin Knox or whatever. But like that that yeah, it's just like. You get tired. I see why you, you know, uh, I, I keep thinking of Overzet's video, like a, a of you just, you know, motherfucking everybody. Because uh, it's the on, same. On, on, it's the same questions every day, <laughs> and I can explain it eighteen different ways to the same people, and just it's like, like how many times do I have to say the same? It's it, it's one of those things we talked about before that people are overcomplicating it. Like it's almost yeah. like they like like the brain can't comprehend that actually you're simplifying things less like what, like they can't comprehend the answer when you said, I should have played uh, Kevin Knox over, over Mike Scott. And I go, well, what were they projected? Like, well, my, Mike Scott was a little bit better projected than Knox. It's like, so play whoever you want. Yeah. Like it's within, it's within the margin ever. Why didn't you play Knox? Well, cause Mike Scott was a little bit, pro- okay. And if you played Knox, cause he was slightly, and why did you play Kevin Knox? Oh, uh, because uh, he was lower owned than Mike Scott, and anything could happen. Oh, okay, that's that's the right answer. Also, they can't comprehend the fact that that it's this. It's it. You know what drives people nuts when I tell people I don't predict outcomes. Like, but this is the this is the example of it. I don't know if Mike Scott is going to outperform Kevin Knox today. I don't know. I'm admitting no I does. don't know. <laughs> the projections are so fragile. They're close to each other. What happens today? Who the fuck knows? All I know is that. Based on this model, if we ran this out a thousand times, they would come about this close to each other. What's going to happen on this one day? No fucking clue. So I don't even bother with even thinking about it. But it blows people's minds. It blows. What? You telling me you don't have an opinion on who's going to do better today? No. Why? Oh, I don't even bother thinking about it. And then they go, how do you not think about it? And I go, like, I don't know. Because I'm looking to, I'm looking to beat people in a game. I, I don't think of, I don't think about is this the time the flush hits for me in poker? Like, I don't think about that either. All I know is that it's, a, it's this is the odds of it happening. Is it going to happen? Uh, I'm getting the right odds to call, but I need to think, hmm, 
Is it going to happen this one time? Like, no, I don't give a shit. All I'm, I'm going to be making these choices a thousand times over the past next year. Like, as long as I'm plus EV, I'm going to show money at the end of the year. So, like, what happens today? Who gives a fuck what happens today? Right? But these are the mindset shifts of why you're having those conversations in, uh, in AMF Slack about, oh, I knew it. I In my gut, I'm like, I don't know what gut has to, I don't <laughs> what what, I have no gut. I've... Yeah, if your gut really is that good at predicting these things, like you should be, you should be printing, you should be, you should be printing money. But it's, it's also like, it's hard. Like it's totally hard for most people to to wrap their heads around. Like, because I will talk about like, um, whether it's in Slack, on Twitter, you know, Discord, DMs, whatever, talking about certain players. But it's in the context of obviously of of lineups and a strategy for the slate, but also like fragility like not only the fragility of like that player's um like projection but the fragility of that player's minutes the fragility of that right like it's like we talk about we're using mike scott right which is just so happens to be a, a an example from from last night it's like when we when you pulled up the projections early in the morning like if you're using roto grinders you know it was just this, the very first run of projection you projects for 32 minutes you know, he's min, he's, he's min price because they're expecting him, I guess, to start not thinking about the injury. And it's like, well, shit. Yeah. If he plays 32 minutes, like, yeah, give me, give me Mike Scott at, at, at 3000. But then you start to be like, okay, well, hold on. We got to look the guy, This is his first game. He's old. He's, he has hurt me. Like there's this, this projection is fragile. Well, you know, by the end of the day, they backed it down, but he didn't even play that much, you know, and they're a little bit blowout related maybe, but there's fragility to his, his projection. So like, Talking about players in those types of ways can be can be beneficial, but I think it gets people wrapped up in. Well, now I'm talking about. Well, you were talking about Mike Scott then, so you're yeah, you're talking yeah, about but, players. I'm like, I'm no, but but what, what you're doing, what what essentially you're doing is talking about probabilities of outcomes. So mm-hmm. there's there's an outcome on that on this slide that we're talking about. Like I played some Paul Reed or whatever that guy's name was, yep. thinking that Mike Scott is not going to play more than 20 minutes. But he's a power forward. So I'm like, okay, I'll play Paul Reed at at 3,300 in the lineup. There's a probability that Paul Reed plays 32 minutes. There's a probability that Paul Reed plays eight minutes. There's a probability that Mike Scott plays this. There's a probability that Dwight Howard and Embiid share the court. Oh, God. Which is is what ended up happening. What happened. Right, which you... There's a probability of that. And we're like, oh, no, Howard is just going to play the backup minutes and Tony Bradley is going to do whatever. And, you know, they're not going to push and beat or something. Like, there's all you're talking about are probabilities of these outcomes happening. So when you're talking about the fragility of the projections, you're not talking about, well, I think Mike Scott's going to play 18 and then this guy's going to play this. No, you're just like, there's an 80% probability of that. There's there's a sixty percent probability of this. There's a twenty percent probability of that. There's a twenty percent probability of this. What is the market judging it as, right? Yep. So you're looking at those minutes distributions, going, I could give an average, but the volatility. This guy, like, look that that Reed guy. All he did was play the backup Embiid minutes. He played like three minutes in the first fucking half. If it wasn't for the fact that the game blowed out, he would have had three points, right? Yep. But now the game blew out and Embiid didn't play any of the fourth quarter. So Reed just played in the next 12 minutes and he ended up getting 13, 15 points or whatever. But I need to go in thinking that that's a pro- that there's a probability of that. What's mm-hmm. 
I have to average all those probabilities together. In poker, those would be the things like what your opponent is doing, right? You take a look and you go, the guy, okay, I made a bet and then this guy raised X. I look at the board, I look at the hand range that I have, and I go, in my head, I have to estimate 70% of the time he has a hand like this. 20% of the time he has a hand like that. 10% of the time this is pure air. Right, that he's that he has he's not even drawing to any outs, and then I have to weigh the money that I'm wagering, how much what the stack sizes we have behind us, and all of that type of stuff, and go what's what's my best decision here? I'm not putting him on a hand. I'm saying that seventy percent of the time he has a top pair this type of hand, which currently beats me. Now, if I could shove here, and he'll maybe if in those cases he's going to fold eighty percent of the time. If I shove and I'm wrong, like he's going to call the other 20%, I'm dead. I don't even have any outs. Now, if I min-raise, there's going to be a certain probability of his actions. If I call, what are his, what are his probability of his actions on the next round, right? On the river, on the, the fifth street. If I draw out on him, is he going to bet into me? How often is he going to bet into me? What's the probability of that happening? What's the probability of me raising and winning the pot in that case? What's the probability? And then you have to combine the probabilities that you draw to your hand, or he outdraws you. Like, we're all just thinking in terms of probability. This is what probabilistic thinking yep. is. So it's not when you even take a look at minutes in projections, it's not, oh, they project for 22 minutes. It's like, no, it's this could be 18, it could be 26. We see foul trouble. And like, Drummond, why did Drummond only play 26 minutes? Like, most likely because he got fucking three fouls in the first half. And they sat him. And you wonder why JaVale McGee broke the slate, Right. Like that's in, that's part of what you're looking at. It's not, these aren't predictions. They're just, yep. they're ranges of outcomes. And the more that you think in terms of probability, like when you're discussing the minutes of a player, all you, you're not talking about players. You're just talking about the, the, how wide is this range? Are people adjusting to this? When you mentioned before with the COVID situation and optionality, that. You don't believe that the field is adjusted properly to the in you believe that there's more variance this season than there has been in the past and people are not playing NBA DFS accordingly to that. It doesn't mean you know where the variance fucking goes. You just know that yeah, right. you just you just know that if 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 whatever I would normally think of a 60% probability, maybe we have to bump down to a 45% probability. Right? Maybe there's a lot more these rotations may change a little bit. They may run slightly different rotations depending on, because we'll see situations where these two guys are out and those two guys are in and these, and it's just like, you have no sample size. We're going to be, it's going to be three months from now and we're going to go, well, what happens when this guy's out and these three guys, like, we don't even have, look, dude, half the team has been out all the time yet we still don't have, we don't, you go to, you go to a popcorn machine, you go to Wowie or whatever, you go to a court IQ and you still see a, like, nope, these five guys have never been on the court together yeah, simultaneously ever. And you're like, how is that that's possible? I, that's it's been I, three months. That's exactly what I, what I was going to add. It's like setting aside just the, the nat- natural variance. It's like, uh, look at the six, the Sixers yesterday. I don't even know who the fuck Dakota Matthias is. Matthias. Like who I, and I like follow college basketball and everything. No fucking idea who this, who I, this I just is. joked Literally. around that, uh, that Isaiah Joe was the son of Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> 
that's what, I mean, these guys are like undraft. Like this is not even like G League level play. Like we, and and now it's like okay, we saw them play, right? We saw them play without Embiid and all these guys. Well, now Embiid's back. What does that mean? Is Tyrese Maxey still going to shoot thirty times? Is I don't know. Is Matthias just going to stand around? And which is what, which is funny because you, know, you talk about the blowout thing. Like him, like he was just like. <laughs> he had no he was the kid like on the high school basketball team that he did not look at the hoop his job was to be out there and fill minutes because they don't have enough good players on the roster and just pass it to the good guys <laughs> just get it and, and the moment it touches your hand you pass it to somebody else he never even looked at the hoop and i played him and i'm it's like almost halftime and i'm like what the fuck was i doing playing this guy he doesn't even like not only does he barely touch the ball when he does the moment he caught it it was hot potato right, right. back to him. you you look at that spot in your roster and you go i wish tony snell was in this spot <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he does tony nothing snell, tony snell probably had as much upside as dakota matthias did uh if if that game did not did not blow out so but like it just goes to show you like Dude, this guy was one of the highest projected like plays on a DFS slate. No one knows who he is. We have no idea how he interacts with these other players. So like, you know, and, and we have the heat tonight. Maybe we think we have a better idea about how uh, uh, the, the the Tyler Hero, Andre Iguodala, Precious Achua, Myers Leonard heat is, is going to look. But we don't really like we, we, we don't know. You know, so it's like um, it, it, it all that just kind of encapsulates like. Dude, even setting aside like rest, the natural like we're not even fucking talking about the NBA stuff that we used to talk about, right? Maybe this guy gets late scratched. We're not even talking about Colin Sexton got late scratched last. Maybe got- the guy and- tests positive for COVID at halftime. Right. We had I- Joe Val. Right? Didn't Joe Val had to like sit out because they thought that he would, he needed to be contact traced or something? You're like, why the fuck isn't he playing? No one knows. Kyrie Irving is missing. We have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is off the grid. He's Ron Swanson. He is literally off the grid. Jonas Valanciunas is getting yeah getting quarantined at halftime of a game, and then he still played the next game. I mean, it's anarchy. This is anarchy, right? So like, we don't know how these players interact with each other. We don't know who's going to test positive when. We don't know who- Kawhi Leonard is playing back to backs. Right, like when like LeBron James is playing every game, like they didn't even have an off season. LeBron is almost forty, and he's playing every night. Like there's there's so much unexpected happening right now. Maybe it stabilizes. I doubt it. Maybe it stabilizes in a, in a couple of months. But as of right now, this is all wildly unpredictable. Um, so I'm trying to kind of at least in the short term capitalize on that and i'll let cardi i'll let i'll let the cardis of the world you know worry about uh whether this variance is sustainable long term but right now that's kind of uh where i believe the edge lies the, the only thing that the only thing that's constant though is that the answer is n- the answer is never buddy healed God, this one. <laughs> just can they like God. can fandle price him up so i don't have to play him <laughs> I played him again just because I had to. And he was actually going to be lower owned this time last night because he was questionable going into it. So I'm like, okay, this is like, I'm like, I got, my, I'm like, finally low owned, fi- cheapest he's been, buddy healed. Nope. Still sucks. <laughs> Still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Some things never change. So uh, you can follow Eric, Eric Bime4 on Twitter. I'm at BlenderHD on Twitter. You can buy the course, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.
NFL.com. Send in your questions. Obviously, now with the, the NFL kind of coming to a close, we're talking about we're talking about NBA slates from last week, from three days ago, all at the <laughs> same time. If you have any questions, broad-based, it could be sport-based, could be anything, email them in, questions at theoryofdfs.com, and go on iTunes and rate and review it. And if you're on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Uh, but just uh, whatever you do, don't play Buddy Healed, and and you'll be fine. <laughs> Subscribe to this podcast and don't roster Buddy Healed. Uh, and it, it, I know that you know there's no nuts building required, but Buddy Healed is probably still not going to be in the winning lineup ever, ever. <laughs>